I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and this episode has been in my mind since before we even launched this podcast. I've known the guest for many years and have always been impressed with how she balances top-notch customer service, deep knowledge of the latest breeding across many categories, and especially industry leadership with top horticultural causes and charities aligned with our industry. Jamie Kitts has represented Cicada Seed Americas for more than a decade as key account sales manager, working with bedding plants, floral crops, and cut flowers. You've no doubt seen her at trade shows and meetings, always on the cutting edge of new plant trends. And in the past few years, she's taken on the role of Corporate Citizenship Specialist for the Cicada Gives program, a visible representation of Cicada Seed America's attention to corporate social responsibility. If you're in horticulture and on LinkedIn, you've likely seen some of the ways Cicada is giving back. So, this episode will be about plants. Cicada is an industry leader bringing amazing products to market. I mean, have you heard of Sun Patience? How about Dragon's Breath and SuperCal recently? These are just three in an extremely diverse and innovative portfolio. In this episode, we'll also be about aligning with causes and how this can not only benefit your community and the world around you, but also your company and team culture. To say that I am psyched for this one would be an understatement. But first, Connect Four where we take a look at four messages lining up to support one key industry topic. Because my discussion with this episode's guest goes a bit longer than normal, I'm going to keep Connect4 super short this time. After reading a recent article at Forbes.com by contributor William Aruda, I made a note to share it on a future STEM episode. And that time is now. The title of the article was, Why Consistency is the Key to Successful Branding and it's relevant to all of our businesses at any time of the year. His approach is to identify barriers to successful branding, and he relates them all to the idea of resistance. Branding will not succeed if an organization is 1. Resistant to hearing what customers, employees, and other stakeholders are really saying about them. 2. Resistant to unearthing the innate talents and personalities of employees, giving them the freedom to become engaged and devoted brand ambassadors. 3. Resistant to investing in high-quality components, including high-quality training for frontline employees, so that the customer's experience is always consistent with the brand message. And the fourth chip of resistance in our game of Connect4 is resistant to being consistent. Consistency to the author, is the key to successful branding, and consistency goes far beyond the product itself. The brand promise needs to be clear with every single interaction each stakeholder experiences. That means that every part of the organization has a role to play in branding, from research and development all the way through to finance and talent development. So now let's jump right into this episode with Jamie Kitts on growing and giving. It's my pleasure to welcome Jamie Kitts to STEM. For almost 15 years, Jamie's represented Cicada as key account sales manager in all ornamental categories, including bedding plants, floral crops, and cut flowers. She specializes in consistently developing customer confidence, company credibility, and providing high service levels. 
with a horticulture and ag business education from California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo, Jamie has enjoyed working for some of the top ornamental seed and vegetative breeding companies in the floriculture industry for the past two decades. Recently, she's been inspired in the role of Corporate Citizenship Specialist for the Cicada Gives program, the centerpiece of Cicada Seed America's Corporate Social Responsibility Initiatives. Jamie also serves on the Society of American Florists Grower Council and Board of Directors and serves on the advisory committee with Seed Your Future. As a California native, she always makes sure to take the time to get out into her communities and open spaces to enjoy and appreciate the environment in which she lives. And I'm lucky to consider Jamie a friend and really look forward to recording this podcast. You are in for a treat, packed with fantastic information. Jamie, welcome to STEM. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So it's funny. I've been really thinking about this episode since we first launched the podcast because I really wanted to pick your brain about the plant side of, of cicada and cicada seed America, but also the sort of philanthropic side. So I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with cicada, but can you start by telling us a little bit of the history about this um, venerable, more than 100-year-old company, and then uh, Cicada Seed America, just to set the stage? Absolutely. I would love to. You know, venerable is the right word. Uh, cicada is a breeder and producer of flowers and vegetable seed, and then we also have vegetative ornamental crops that we breed. You know, we are, uh, we've been around a little bit. We are very grateful to be, we just celebrated 100 years of breeding. Actually, we're over 100 years now for the horticulture and agriculture markets. And on top of that, more celebration, Cicada Seed America is thrilled. We just celebrated 40 years in North America. So with those products, you know, we offer crops for the bedding sector, cut flower, flowering ornamental crops in both seed and vegetative, and then, of course, many uh, outstanding vegetable varieties as well. What we like to say at Cicada is vegetables nourish the body and flowers nourish the soul. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. And it's cool that you guys are involved in, in both aspects of the industry. And I guess 40, I didn't realize 40 years for Cicada Seed America, that's I mean, 100 years is, is impressive for a company, but 40 yeah. years in the American floriculture market has seen so many changes. And I think that's, I mean, that seems to be reflected by the fact that you guys are vegetable and flower seed, but also into the, the vegetative arena. How long have you guys been in the vegetative breeding side? Well, that would be since we introduced the sun. Um, no, before that, before the sun patients. So it's been um, over 20 years we've been in vegetative. Wow, so right at probably the beginnings of vegetative production. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, You're right, and you've, you've just got to be flexible, right? Because we do have a very changing environment. <laughs> That's true. I can't wait to see what, what we'll look like in 40 years from now. So I already shared a little bit of your bio in the introduction, but you know, one of the reasons I was excited about this podcast is you are a fun and passionate industry leader, um, definitely upper echelon of industry leaders as far as I know. So can you share some of your career highlights, um, and what kind of keeps your energy up when it comes to horticulture these days? Bill, that was a very nice compliment you just paid me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, when I think about my career, uh, you know, I'm not looking back already. I'm not that old yet. Mm -hmm. um, boy, what keeps me cranked up? It's the people we work with and the products we get to work with. You know, I love our customers. You know, every day they inspire me and challenge me. 
And, you know, on top of that, gosh, think about it. We get to wake up every day and get to work in this industry. I mean, who else gets to wake up and go to work and grow beautiful flowers? We have new technologies. I mean, we work in a really dynamic industry, and that's really what keeps me going. I mean, when you look at the people we get to work with and the industry, what's not to love and be inspired about? So, um, you know, some of my highlights have been, um, you know, the interactions with my customers. And at this point in my career, I am very fortunate as I get to work in an additional aspect of our industry representing Cicada with working with the trade council organizations, um, government advocacy groups. Boy, what else? Working with the nonprofits that are moving the needle in our industry. So, um, it's an exciting time. Our, our industry is exciting, and hopefully it's contagious. Yes, people and plants and the challenges that go along with people and plants, I agree, is certainly inspiring. But, um, you know, when, when, you, when you talked about the, the, the changes that you've seen and being involved in all, you know, with customers all the way up through the, the councils and government and nonprofits, I think that that is why we're very lucky to have you on STEM. So Thank you. let's get back to Cicada. So what are some of the kind of key products you guys are most known for in the past? I mean, you have a long history, um, but then also currently, what are what are some of the, the top products people might recognize? Oh, fun question. Okay, so varieties that we've had in the past, fortunately, are still moving us forward also. So we have that longevity with a lot of our genetics. And, you know, some of them that really call out would be the Majestic Giant Pansy. You know, this was the first hybrid red pansy. And, of course, we've changed the genetics since then. Um, What about Dragon's Breath? I mean, you talk about drama in the garden. That one has gotten a lot of attention, and, you know, a lot of growers have captured that great sell-through. Profusion zinnias, those just keep getting better. And then for our cut flower growers, we have a wide variety of lisianthus, you know, colors, shapes, patterns. And then, of course, Vincent Sunflower, Game Changer. So uh, those are some of the, the varieties that have been in the past and still carry us forward. Uh, you know, and let's not forget about Nagoya Kale. That one just keeps going strong. So. Yeah, I mean, you can't go into a greenhouse and not see profusions or majestic giants. I think that, you know, you guys really kind of set, set the bar for those, those types of, uh, of sort of classic garden plants. So um, yes, that's exciting. And, and, and then moving forward with new genetics in those series, I think, is... Is, is awesome. It's good. Yeah, it keeps them alive. And, oh, Bill, please let's not overlook our vegetative varieties of some patients and super cow. No, that's true. And we're going to dig a little bit more into uh, sun patients here in, in a few minutes. Um, I do put them up on the Mount Rushmore of known plants <laughs> in our industry. So you, you mentioned um, a little bit about the vegetables, vegetable seeds. So how much of Cicada's product mix is vegetables? And I guess what are some of your favorites? I know that you you guys have products um, and programs for commercial use for home gardens, and it's it's really extensive lineup. So can you talk a little bit about uh, vegetables when it as it relates to cicada and cicada seed America? I will. Okay, so let's just start by saying in vegetables, broccoli rules. 
Mm-hmm. Broccoli is the master of our universe in the veg- in the vegetables. So right now we're the world distributor of broccoli seeds. So we've oh. captured a, a very large share market share in the broccoli world. Um, you know we specialize in the leafy greens, beets, tomatoes. Um, you know, and one reason that cicada vegetables has gotten so much attention, the varieties, is whether it's for the commercial or the homegrown, there is a huge breeding emphasis on flavor and then also nutrition. So those are very key to any um, cicada vegetable varieties that you would be growing or be eating. You know, and what about broccolini? Who doesn't love broccolini, right? Um, the homegrown customers may know it as Asperbrock, but you know when we're traveling, we're thrilled when we get served a plate and there's <laughs> broccolini on it, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I'm I'm thrilled anytime I get any sort of broccoli or broccolini. We talked before how much I love; it's my favorite vegetable. So, yeah, we're we're gonna ship you a crate of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. My kids will not love you, but I certainly will. <laughs> So some of some of my personal favorites that are going on in vegetables, and some of them reflect what's going on in the market right now. So a few seasons ago, uh, in the homegrown division, we introduced Fresh Start Beetless Beet, and you know this is a direct reflection of the demand for different flavored greens. So it was bred for the leaves, no beet needed. Got That's it. very, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, another one that we we see a lot of, and it it crosses over into the ornamentals, is peppermint Swiss chard. And this Swiss chard has these bright pink stalks, and they not only taste good, but they look good. If you have a mixed planter of Swiss chard and pansies on your deck, you're you're rocking it. I mean, it is gorgeous. So when you come to our, our spring trials, you'll see that peppermint Swiss chard integrated in a lot into our ornamental mixed containers. You know, there's no reason plant uh, vegetables and flowers can't play together in the same container. And then another really one of my, my take-home favorites is the Lilliput melon. This is an individual serving melon, and it is just, it's a riot of flavor. And you cut that in half, put a scoop of ice cream in the middle, and, you know, it tastes like summer. And, Bill, I do believe I have a picture of you eating one of those <laughs> at one of the garden days a few years ago. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yep, I was going to say we had that at our field day a few years ago, and that was a huge hit with ice cream in it. That was absolutely, I just put a big star by that when you were talking about it, because I vividly remember that as well. That's awesome. So, so there is a lot more coming in vegetables, and again, you know, our breeders are breeding to reflect. You know, you can't, you can't move... T- in a season on vegetables, but there's a lot coming in the works and, you know, those homegrown, homegrown varieties, you know, you take that sweetheart tomato and, you know, pick that in your garden on a warm day. Wow. It's a party for your taste buds. Cool. And I'm a huge vegetable fan. So I just have been taking notes as well as uh, being a host of this. So that sounds fantastic. Yeah. So moving from vegetables to another area that you guys are, are, uh, significant global leader in is cut flowers so i personally see a lot of potential with this market as it relates to today's trends and consumers here in north america and you know we've talked a little bit about it but can you talk to the audience a little bit about the north american cut flower market and i mean am i crazy to be optimistic Hmm. Well, if you're crazy to be optimistic, um, we're going to be crazy right along with you. Uh, this is a growing opportunity. I mean, literally. 
um, you know, what we see in today's market is, you know, a wonderful opportunity for local grown flowers. And local grown can be American grown or just local grown in your community. We, we see that trend going, not, it's not, I don't think it's a trend, I think it's here to stay, of locally grown produce and the demand for that. So why can't cut flowers go right along with that? You know, if you have space to grow vegetables, how about putting in a couple rows of uh, cut flowers as well? Uh, you know, farmers markets are booming right now as an outlet for sale and, and you know, other retail outlets are are very receptive to having those type of products in their in their lineup. You know, another thing that's driving and, and can really help with you locally grown is this relaxed bouquet we have. We call it, you know, a meadow bouquet look. And that's varying in fashion right now. And what that's done is you can put pretty much anything in a bouquet, uh, you know, Anything with a stock or I've seen, you know, we see succulents going into bouquets now. So there's no, there's no strict, you know, formal rose bouquet right now. Mm -hmm. Have fun with it. Throw some things in there. You know, and another opportunity, I think, in the cut flowers for the, the garden center retailers is you may not be selling the cut flowers, but how about selling the plants that your customers can plant in their gardens to have a cut flower in their garden you know let's bring the garden in and via cut flowers and you know you may even sell a, a large container that is cut flowers they have that on their patio and they can they can cut flowers all season and there's no limit to it it's it's really it's really an exciting sector right now and i think it you know and there are so many everybody has different tastes and i even when i see pictures of you know, you're on Facebook, you see pictures of a wedding that somebody attended. It's like that bouquet that the bride is holding doesn't look like the bouquet my mom was holding, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it, it, it's it's very meadow-like. I like that yeah. term. You know, I feel like there's a lot more wildness and, and a little bit more natural look with, with bouquets. And, and, and that trend you were discussing, I think, fits right into that. And then, as you said, transition that to the garden center retail. Bring you know, sell, sell those products that, that folks can bring home and cut and make their own bouquets. There really aren't any, you know, there's no rules to what can go there's into no a bouquet, rules. right? Right. And what you wrap it in too, there's no rules now. That's true. Uh, you know, that, that's another is, you know, recyclable products wrapping up that bouquet is, is really a way to score points with your, um, with your green customers. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I think there's a great, and you know, they, they don't have to be long crops, you know, we're not talking a Lysianthus or a Campanula that you have to do. You're welcome to do those, but some really, really easy ones are, are ones you may already grow. Like, you know, from Cicada would be Sonnet Snapdragons or for the end of the season, when the days get shorter, the Oster Matsumoto's, um, the Vincent sunflowers are the uh, Sunbright really quick turnaround for sunflowers you know even the profusion zinnias they work for a small bouquet you know you plant some of those doubles and put them in a bouquet it's fantastic it's great color and um anything goes you know outside of cicada how about cosmos salvias shasta daisies you know as i said anything with the stock or a long stem can go into a bouquet i was at the store the other day and um there was bouquets with corn in it I mean, oh, how wow. fantastic is that for huh. fall? And they look good. So, I, I you know, <laughs> you know, again, vegetables and flowers they can't intermingle in, in any form. So, 
and that actually leads to a question that I just kind of thought of when you were talking is you talked about if you're growing vegetables, why not add in a couple of rows of cut flowers? Is this something that you're seeing? Is this something you see just in California or is this something you're seeing across North America? It's kind of a, a, a cool idea because so many people do grow their own vegetables, you know, or so many growers and grower retailers grow their own vegetables. Is this how realistic is that? I think it's very realistic and we are seeing it across the country, you know, of course, yielding to the seasons. And uh, it also, you know, if you're showing off your field to your customers or you have a you pick, um, boy, it just adds nice color to a vegetable field, doesn't it? No, that's, so, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So we do, we see it, you know, we have a lot of uh, large uh American-grown, California-grown, commercial growers year-round out here in California. But, you know, anybody who has open space, you can put some rows of – or open greenhouse space even with a ground bed. Um, try some try some cut flowers and see what happens. Yeah, I'm even thinking of, like, the apple orchard our family went to a couple of weeks ago to get apples. If they had had a, a you-pick, you know, garden of flowers, we would have definitely grabbed a couple of bouquets. That's – that's really cool. I love that. I love that kind of tip and piece of advice. Yeah, so, and I think, yeah, okay. and I think if we can just get people, you know, if we can just get our our uh, buying public into the field, if that's mm-hmm. if that's respectful for your field, or just understanding where where plants and vegetables come from and flowers come from, um, it, it just adds another level of the appreciation for the product. So, sure. yeah, I also wanted to, you know, everybody. Um, there is a national program going um, with yielding to that locally grown called American Grown Flowers. So if you get into the cut flowers in a big way, this is a great marketing program to help to help inspire people to push locally or American grown. And you know what? That that's a really good good point. And we probably don't have a ton of time to talk about that right now. But I will put a link in the show notes um, for folks who want to look into that American Grown Flowers program. It's a great uh, a promote a way to promote promote those products. So I mentioned, um, or you mentioned, uh, some of the the vegetative products that you guys bred. And I think you know you guys are are known far and wide for sun patients. It's become one of those plants that's sort of synonymous with uh, with the the class of plants you know nobody really says interspecific bread new guinea and patience for sun <laughs> i mean everyone just calls them sun patience and, and that's why i that's why i made that mount rushmore of, of branded plants and maybe plants comment but can you you know can you spend a couple minutes and just give us a rundown on some of the just a quick history on sun patience but almost more importantly what what's going on right now because i know you guys are are constantly working and breeding in this in this line and then you know, what do you see the, the future is of this, uh, you know, what I consider an amazing group of plants? Oh, thank you for asking about Sun Patience. You know, Sun Patience has a really good story. And um, we at Cicada, we love to tell the story. You know, the Sun Patience varieties have been on the market now for over 10 years. We, the wow. first introduction was 2006. And, you know, we see a lot of varieties come and go in our industry, don't we, Bill? That's and cool. You know, they they often, you know, 10 years, you start plateauing. There's still growth in sun patients. And, you know, we're in awe about this and so grateful to all the growers and our customers for, for continuing this trend of the growth with the series. 
you know, and that some patient story doesn't start in 2006. Go back another 10 years of the breeding behind it. You know, it was a full 10 years of breeding. And, you know, and the original breeding genetics, were they were found, our breeders were scouting for genetic material in the jungles in Indonesia. And so... We, uh, you know, we at Cicada, we adhere to best breeding practices. And with the, some patient genetics, we worked with the Indonesian government, you know, under the rules of Convention of Biodiversity, which is initial CBD. And today, we still share with Indonesia the benefits of the commercializing the sun patients. So what we like to call some patients, what adds to their story, is they're a true fair trade flower. So um, that's sort of the background on it. But really what is accelerating that, the sun patients forward, is its performance. And, you know, I've heard it called a hedge of color, you know, in the middle of summer in some of the hottest places in North America. You know, its adaptability has also made it, you know, fans amongst many. You know, and this is, you know, it's not only because it'll flower in the sun and the shade, which just thrills landscapers, right? They don't have to pause for the shade of the tree and put in a different plant. Mm -hmm. They can just keep going with those sun patients. But, you know, the big the big performance is when the other flowering annuals in the garden are starting to get tired about mid-July, end of July. Boom. Some patients is heading its stride. You know, we call it last person standing mm-hmm. in the garden at the end of the season. You know, and a really good example of that is I was visiting Ball at the end of October or mid-October. Everything had been ripped out. What was still there? The hedges of color of sun patients. And, you know, you were already getting your first frost at night. So. Yeah. So the story continues with Sun Patients. And, you know, the future story is it's a very dedicated breeding program. And this last year, we, we in the in efforts to make clarity, we changed the variety categories. And now we just have the compact and the vigorous. And uh, those of you that grew the original vigorous, you don't please don't cringe. I call this it's vigorous with manners now. <laughs> So you can get that height in the Midwest or the East Coast where you may get cooler nights earlier. And, you know, you want to get that big hedge. So we w- you'll be seeing a lot of um, new genetics continue to come. We're constantly looking for, uh, you know, larger flowers. Get it to flower earlier so the retailers can get it out. You know, tolerance to the cold at the beginning of the season. How can we help the growers reduce their cost inputs? This is a big one, you know, as we move forward um, with labor issues moving on. And, you know, you're even going to see some that don't require as much water. So I, I would just encourage you, if you're using Sun Patients in your program, you know, stay tuned. There is a lot more to come. And that's awesome that the breeding is actually, you know, I love it when I hear about the breeding is looking to solve problems. You mentioned, you know, reducing the cost of inputs, the lower water use, certainly earlier flowering, and then giving that consumer that same performance and even potentially larger flowers. And when you talk about a hedge of color, I just think of, you know, I, I used to plant when I lived in Illinois, I planted some patients around our shed. And for the same reason that you said, because I didn't have to worry about the sunny side or the shady side. And they would be hip high by the end of the fall. And Amazing, I just always right? thought that was all. It was great. You just look out the back door and everyone's like, wow, what are those? And, you know, sure, I had like 40 containers, but it was really that hedge of color around my shed that was always uh, attracted attention. So. Was that I your he shed? Was that your man shed or your she shed? It was just where I left my lawnmower. I, you know what? 
I always thought about running power out there and making it a he shed, but it really just became the place where I stored my laundry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and the whole house is a she shed, so. <laughs> so how about some other introductions in the past couple years? You know, you talked a lot about Dragon's Breath, and, man, I've seen that thing look phenomenal at retail. And, uh, you know, as now that growers are really learning how to produce that and, and getting it to flower on time at retail, I think that that's a – that's a rock star waiting to happen. Um, but what about uh, some others and maybe some coming to market for 2020? Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of your favorite new intros and maybe a little bit of a sneak peek? Yes, absolutely. So another vegetative crop that's really um, taken hold is the super cows. And um, for this coming spring 2019, we introduced the super cow premiums, adding, you know, extending that line, the, the offering. And super cows are, um, you know, it's another crop that is a cross between a petunia and a calabacoa. And so you get the best of both features of those crops. Um, you know, the petunias can tolerate a lot of... Uh, uh, temperature variances for the production and you know the calabacoa has all the cool colors and and just looks great at retail and and moving on into the garden so the super cows was the first line and then this past and we, we featured at cast or spring trials the super cow premiums and the super cow premiums wow I mean, when we look at what the take-home was from cast this year, it was SuperCal Premiums and SuperCal Premiums. Mm -hmm. There's um, six colors. They have large flowers, unique colors. They have a little more petunia blood in them, so they're, they've got a little bit of sticky foliage where the SuperCals don't. But then they are just – they're just roundy-moundy. And, you know, how many of you have seen your petunias just break open and crack open? Again, when the sun patients are taking mm -hmm. off, this, you're, you're ready. Out here we weed whack them on the west coast because uh, we have more season for them to grow but the super cow premiums don't do that so you know i encourage your your stem listeners if you if you haven't seen them or haven't tried them please give them a try um you know we'll have some new colors coming there's a there's a lavender star in there and then a really crisp white with this beautiful red throat coming out also in the super cows so um you know talk to your favorite rep and um they they can guide you in that way so we're we're excited about that. We've seen our customers be excited about that. So if everybody in the distribution channel is excited, mm -hmm. um, hope, hopefully it's a home run, right? That's for sure. Yeah. Another one, you know, going back to your reference of the um, – we talked about the dragon's breath being that drama in the garden. There's another crop we're introducing this coming season, and that's the Viking begonias. And this is an interspecific inter begonia, but some of the lines have what we're calling a chocolate foliage. Mm. And you just get this really deep, dark foliage on there with the contrast with the scarlet. I mean, if you put that as an end cap, you could sell that all day long. And then, you know, consume, you know the gardener's taking that home. Again, what, what's going to attract everybody? What, what are your neighbors going to say? Hey, wow, you know, wh wh what is that? And so those are the kind of things that we're looking for in the breeding is things that will stand out and, and make a difference for your sales. I think dark, any, any plant with dark foliage and a vibrant bloom is hot these days. Um, We've seen it in dahlias. We've seen it in in other um, groups of plants. So I think that sounds super cool and exciting. Is it for? Will it take some sun? Is it sun and shade tolerant? 
Um, it's sun and shade tolerant, but really um, outstanding in the full sun. And, oh, wow. you know, again, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of shade plants out there, but, you know, what's going to stand up? You know, what, what's going to stand up with those sun patients in the full mm-hmm. sun in the hottest parts of our country? So that's that's what we're looking for with the Viking. So it's a garden plant versus, I mean, it's positioned for garden. Garden, garden plant. Yes, sir. Great. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so I think now is the time when we can sort of shift gears. Um, I promised at the beginning that we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, about what Cicada Seed America does, um, in terms of charities and giving and working with different causes and philanthropies. So I know that, that at Cicada Seed America, you guys are really involved in the industry from a support perspective and other charities and causes as part of the Cicada Gives program. So I do want to talk to you about this. What are some of these activities? And I guess when I look across our industry, I really see you guys as a leader in this realm. So what is it that that causes you and the company to get so uh, excited about these different opportunities? Another compliment to Cicada. Thank you very much, Bill. And uh, just keep me in line here because I mm-hmm. this is a very passionate topic for me. I'm, I get very excited about it. So if I stray, pull me in. Feel free to reel me in. Gotcha. So that there's a lot in that question. So um, let's start with the why. And um, then we can talk about Cicada Gives. And then I'd love to share maybe some examples of what we're working on both in the industry and with our employee engagement at Cicada. So uh, you mentioned the Cicada Gives program. And and that is the centerpiece of our corporate social responsibility program. And, you know, we've always had corporate giving at Cicada. but right now, I, I truly feel fortunate to work for an organization that is expanding that reach and recognizes that need for all of us that work at Cicada. And so we have been very active in putting in place programs that allows and supports all of us at Cicada you know, to be the corporate good citizens that we choose to be. And at Cicada, we focus that on the areas of sustainable nutrition, also health, and then the environment. You know, but we have. I think it's. It would be helpful if we go back to what the bigger picture is. Is the why? Why is this becoming so important for companies and corporations to have these programs now? You know, in the in the the gone are the days. You know that a corporation would top down let the employees know, you know how they can give and and to whom. You know, it used to be okay. You know, here, here's we're we're giving you the opportunity to give to this nonprofit organization. You know, much of it is grassroots now, and that's part of the Cicada Gives program. You know, it's that where we give our money is stemming from the employees. You know, we have a phrase, what is your passion? Cicada supports you. So, you know, and again, this is, um, this is take, it's, it's rolling and it's getting this momentum because we're living now in what is called the purpose economy. You know, and we're coming from the information economy, which accelerated us with data, but it also separated us a little bit uh, from that face-to-face and the hands-on. And so what we're finding is, is people, especially in, in North America, we want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And that's what defines the purpose economy. You know, all of this, this approach to that, that's translated over to business and, you know, we want to work for a company that is giving back, you know, that is showing they care, not just for profits, but 
but what is now referenced as the three P's. So your bottom line is people, profit, and planet, which refers to the environment. And those have to work in synergy. One does not override the other. You know, and, and many of you may have experienced this when you've had candidates in for a job interview. They interview you. They want to know, you know, what are your CSR programs? You know, what is your involvement in the community? You know, they don't want to work for you if you're not supporting their employees with giving activities. So there's a lot of research that has been done on this. And some some candidates are even sacrificing some salary to work for a company that has a strong corporate social responsibility and corporate giving program. It's It's really interesting. You take this farther, and this has gone up the chain to investors, and the term soulless corporation has emerged. I mean, that is just a scary term, isn't it? Yes, that's you know, for sure. Investors do not want to invest in soulless corporations, and, and they've laid down the law. If you are not giving back, we are not going to invest in you. It goes to the customers also. Customers are becoming, they don't want to work with suppliers or buy from companies that, ha that do not recognize and are not doing good as part of their business strategy and their business model. So, you know, and that's, that's, that's how you appear. There are, there are so many factors also that a corporate giving program can do for the business internally. You know, there's there's much data and research about employee retention. It really helps with employee retention. Again, if you pass their interview and they they're willing to sign on with you because you have a good program, it also what a what an incredible opportunity for employee training and for employees to learn new skills through through maybe a volunteer program that you have or um, their volunteering efforts on their own that you're supporting. You know, they they're allowed community engagement. This does, it, it creates a whole new perspective on your company from the community's view and your interaction with the community. And even to a point, it can differentiate you from your competitors. So, Bill, it's really interesting times right now. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of different ways that companies can engage. So, you know, so let's go back to what Cicada Give activities are. And we categorize our Cicada activities into three categories. Um, um, efforts that are going toward industry nonprofits, um, employee good citizenship activities, and then education. So those are the way we, we categorize them internally. And, you know, the industry one is, is critical. And, you know, I would ask all your STEM listeners, you know, if we the companies and people currently in the industry don't take care of our industry, who's going to? You know, there, there's no external force going to come in and, and help us grow and thrive and, and be relevant in the future. So, so we have, we've identified, we have many that we support in, in both the strictly ornamental and the vegetative, but, but some that really are key right now that seem to be moving the needle a lot for our industry is, is the Seed Your Future program. And I believe you had Susan Yoder on a few podcasts ago, correct? Yep. The, 
Yeah, executive director. Great conversation, you know, and and the seed your future is really moving the needle. You know, if when I when I'm visiting my customers and talking to growers and working with the brokers, you know, labor is an issue, and it's not just the hourly labor. It's it's managers. It's it's identification there. Again, we could talk another whole hour on that, but let let's 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 make let's make our industry appealing. We also work with uh, Produce Marketing Association Center for Growing talent you know they they're also developing innovative and exciting talent options ag against hunger this is a big organization locally here in the salinas and nationally and this is the entire ag industry feeding the hungry and they do this through feed banks and schools has anybody ever gleamed a vegetable field it's a fantastic experience one I um, that's very near and dear to the ornamental department is uh, the National Garden Bureau's programs, and we've been a sponsor for the Therapy Garden programs. And the National Garden Bureau has many, many programs, and that's a really great way to tie in and 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 do some philanthropic work with your organization with their programs. And then another one that is really great is American Bloom. You know, they're they're just fantastic. You know, you don't have to change your whole city with them. You don't have to take that on, but it's a great way to reward your customers that are doing some great things with their gardens or what you're doing or your landscape customers and you know they promote beautification with education and community involvement um, by using flowers trees plants and any other horticulture product the live horticulture product you know that's, yeah, that's awesome I, I you know I when I when I think about all those those different organizations those organizations that that have been some of them have been around for a little while some of them look like they have a really good you know sort of long-term health uh, of the organization i think that um yeah any one of those programs would be would be a fantastic uh opportunity for for our listeners just to look in and see how you can become involved um if if those are organizations that align with your own company's mission yeah, and you know, region. You, you, it doesn't have to be a national program. You know, regionally, we we do many sponsorships with FFA, the Future Farmers of America, and the 4-H. And what I love about these are many of these are inspired by our Sakata colleagues that that have an interest for their area or have been involved in that. And you know, another big area that we support the industry is donation of seed. You know, we have to make sure our future budding horticulturalists. You know, they have that joy of sowing. Seed also and experience the thrill of growing plants in the schools girl scout groups boy scout groups you know again the 4-h so uh we we like to think we're very generous with sharing our our seed so everybody has a chance to have that so that's cool you know and and i'm going to follow it up with uh with a little bit with a question that'll tie it back to um sort of opportunities for our listeners to get involved but i do want to you know, you talked about some of the reasons, you know, employee retention, engaging the team and really, you know, helping promote their passions, not just a overall arching corporate charity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the acquisition of new skills by being volunteers with some of these um, these groups. And then obviously there's a marketing perspective of your <laughs> outward appearance and the uh, opportunity or ability to differentiate. So I think that kind of setting up with those benefits that can come back to your company do you have any advice for listeners you know we're talking to primarily professional greenhouse growers who would like to either become involved in philanthropy or take some of their philanthropy work and leverage it a little bit to bring 
you know, some, some, I don't know, attention is the right word, but to bring some recognition back to their business and maybe share a couple, you know, first steps to getting involved or getting started? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I, I think you and I talk, Bill, that, you know, sometimes people don't get involved because they've either had a bad experience or they're concerned about the time commitment. So there's a few checklists that we go through. And I think, I think the first one is, it's just double check. We always double check that the mission of the organization, <laughs> organization mm-hmm. is in check with our company mission statement. So make sure it's in check with your your mission and your values. You know, th- this will prevent any conflict of interest down the road. And, you know, I would encourage you that you yourself, whether it be the manager or the owner of the company, you do not have to create the engagement. And this is what's so great about our, our um, employee engagement at Cicada Gives, is you have an army, an army of corporate good citizens amongst your employees. You know, if you just let them know that you're open to this type of giving program, you will be amazed and hopefully inspired at what comes forward from them. You know, you don't have to go do a big search about that. And I would also say once you get word out that you're you're willing and, you know, wanting to participate in your community, they will come to you also. But, you know, let your employees have have some say in it. it. It's really exciting, and it's a great way to get to know your employees. They all have hidden talents and hidden mm-hmm. interests that may not come forward in, in the normal workday. I think the other really important point to get started, it's important to start out simple. You do not need to change the world in your first year. And, you know, you just want to make a difference in a part of, of, of the world that you live in. And, you know, you want to enhance your engagement with your community. You don't want to have it be something else to do. What we like to say is, you know, it's part of our corporate culture. And so every day is about Cicada Gives. It's not, okay, let's put it on hold. We've got to do this. You know, we got to do the Cicada Gives. We want it to be integrated into, into how your employees go approach their day. So, again, it does feel good to do good, but we don't want that to be a burden to you. And you don't want to feel like it's a burden. So, really, to summarize those three points that you made, I think are all very, very critical, is make sure the mission of the organizations you support align with your company values. Ask your team and engage them. Don't don't try to do it all on your own. Engage them for the input on causes to get involved in and also obviously the the time commitment that it that it takes to support these and then start simple you know i I think that that's that's really good advice because it can it can feel like oh you know i gotta i gotta be the number one you know partner for this organization no you don't you can grow to be their number one partner but most of these organizations are appreciative of of any level of support right they are extremely grateful and and they will continue to ask and I'm going to talk later it's okay to say no so <laughs> it's um you know yeah just you know we always say the hardest part about starting a project is starting right, right. so uh, you know just yeah, you take it into consideration now for our ind- industry organizations you know I'm involved in a lot of our industry organizations I did not go look for those those were personal asks from people I work with or customers in the industry so you know your your customers may be involved in uh, in an 
an industry organization. And all of them are hungry for new ideas, uh, new talents that you can bring. And and again, you don't have to commit a lot of time or dollars. Um, just show your interest and the ideas will flow. They really will. And, you know, for our industry, you know, if we all carry a little bit of the sand, we can build that beach. But, there, you know, let's not one person can do it on their own or one organization can do it on their own. And and really, Bill, what I have found that I get a lot more than I give. It is so rewarding. And I think your you and your employees and your business will 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 see will hopefully experience that same reward. You know, and, and you make a really great point. It comes, to, I always think of the three T's when it comes to what you're going to invest into any any organization. It's your time, your treasure, your talent. And all three of them are, you know, certainly these organizations are grateful for, and but they all bring value. So even if you're not giving them a million dollars, you can give them a million dollars worth of your own talent. Maybe you yeah. have an expertise in marketing. Maybe you have a bag of seed to donate. Maybe you have... You know, uh, maybe you travel a lot and you have the ability to talk to multiple audiences or you're active at all sorts of community events. So you have the ability to share that organization's message more widely than they would on their own. So I think that, you know, don't don't be afraid to get involved in a cause if you don't have a million dollars or, you know, even a thousand dollars to give them up front. You have something to give every organization that you interact with from your time, your treasure or your talent. That that's a great point, and um, I'm I'm gonna reel me back. But there are organizations, the Taproot Foundation, that that's what they do. They coordinate pro bono work for other for nonprofits, from organizations and and, and um, for profit companies. So it's really great. But building on that, you know, some other ideas to get started, Bill, would be you know plant donations to a nonprofit for a plant sale. You know, we have this beautiful product. People want it. And it, it serves as such an easy fundraiser for nonprofits. And, you know, if you're a retailer and donating the plants, or maybe you're coordinating with your grower supplier, maybe you have coupons out for a discount for them to come back to the store. They're not going to be able to buy everything they want at that fundraising plant sale. So where are they going to fill it in? Hopefully at your garden center. You know, retailers, does it make sense to have a nonprofit use your facility for a fundraising event they are having? It's hard to find facilities, you know, especially at the holiday time, you're decorated, you know, and, and it also here's another thing, it gets them to your store. It may be people that didn't even know you were in town or have never been and been meaning to come and they're coming for the fundraiser. Sponsor an event. This is a great way to get your logo out. You don't even have to attend the event. But if it's something that marries up with your mission statement in your community or nationally, you know, that that's a really great way to get started on that. Um, and again, you know, that whoever's at that event may see your logo and say, hey, I've been meaning to see that or I drive by that greenhouse on my way to work every day. Um, you know, I saw that sign in the landscape Um you know, that they've supplied the plants. So, you know, and give a talk at your local school, at your local school. You know, our world of plants is absolutely fascinating. Your story is fascinating. And so can you share that with, share that and our industry with some young minds? And, you know, the other way is sometimes it's daunting. You know, you, you see this project that needs to be done. Um, 
and and you know no one company can do that so team up with some other companies you know a big project would be a park you know get the lumber lumber supplier involved get your landscaper customers involved get your customers involved get the 4-H kids there to help plant and and move plants and and be involved in it so uh, you don't necessarily have to take it again we've I think this is a great theme we've created bill is you don't have to do everything by yourself and um, you, you can really create some great synergy with your employees and other businesses by identifying a project and everybody working on it and sharing, sharing the load. Cool. I'm going to put all five of those ideas in the show notes. Plant donations, um, not let it, letting nonprofits use your garden center for an event. I've actually heard of garden centers do that, and they do absolutely reach new people who have not been in the store before. Sponsoring events giving talks at local schools. I could go on and on about how important that is. <laughs> and teaming up within your community for a big project. I, you know, I saw that back long time ago when I worked at a garden center. We, um, I saw that happen in our community. We put together a gigantic playground and park right in the middle of town, and they engaged all the different local businesses. And that, you know, back then I was, man, I was like 18 years old, and now my kids go play at that park. So I think it's really, I, I, I loved hearing that. And I thought back to my own past when we were driving tractors around and helping build that park. So yeah, that's really cool. So I hate to do this, but we've got to get this wrapped up here in okay. a couple minutes. Is there anything that we missed that we need to discuss before we wrap up? Is there any, anything you want to mention? Yes, I would just I would encourage everyone to find find your passion, you know, encourage participation and and share that with your community and our industry. You know, I would say philanthropy requires nothing more than compassion, empathy and intent. And you can do this with many, many ways uh, that we've discussed today. Um, You know, I'd be happy to talk with anybody about more specifics. You know, we are so fortunate to work in, you know, such an engaging hands on industry. And, you know, that makes it even more encouraging, Bill, to experience the goodwill our products and the people in our industry can create and provide. I love it. And I, and I actually, whenever I give talks, I end it with, we are blessed in our industry to to grow and sell and promote a product that everybody loves and something that makes everybody smile. You uh, can't hand a plant to someone and not get a smile. Like, it <laughs> never happens. Yep. So I, you know, I agree. It's and and when you talk about compassion, empathy, and intent is is really what it takes to get started. That is absolutely so true. And you mentioned being, you know, definitely available and happy to talk to people. You know, if anyone who has a question. So if the STEM listeners want to contact you or find out more about Cicada Seed America or the causes you guys support, certainly your product lines. I mean, yeah. the the top products in the industry. Um, what are what are some of the resources uh, to to find out more about Cicada? And then, personally, I know you're really active on social media. What's the best place for listeners to find you if they want to engage and continue this conversation? So you can find me. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. I'm under Jamie K. Kitts. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram or Twitter, and that's under Kitts Jamie. Um, for our products, uh, go to our our new um, newly designed websites. That's cicadaornamentals.com, and then also cicadavegetables.com. And there is a lot of information, marketing ideas, uh, culture 
information, and if you don't find it there, just reach out to us. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, you can find Cicada Vegetables. And then for all you sun patients, grower, uh, sellers, and uh, planters, uh, please please look for the Sun Patients brand Facebook and Instagram page. We we love to see your pictures of Sun Patients. Um, and and we share those so uh please please post them excellent well i will put all of those links um into the show notes so that uh they're one click away okay so thank you so much jamie this has really been a fun conversation i knew that we were never going to stick to a 30 minute time (laughs) time uh deadline so i wasn't even trying i'm really glad that we were able to touch on both the plant side and the philanthropic side because i think that that really makes you guys a well-rounded company you a well-rounded industry leader and hopefully makes stem somewhat of a well-rounded podcast um and i do think that both sides you know look you know looking at at both sides of of that coin are going to continue to be critical to keep our industry healthy and relevant with our customers and with our with our own employees and potential uh, young folks coming into the industry. I I so agree, Bill, and I just want to thank you and your STEM listeners for this this opportunity to share about Cicada Gives and all the wonderful Cicada products. Cool, and look for Jamie at industry events. Continue this conversation on social media. Um, she definitely has a, has a lot to share. Thank you, and we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com, B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T dot com, or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ball Seed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And check out the show notes for links to even more content related to this episode, including links to the plants and programs Jamie and I discussed, how to connect with her and Cicada on social media, and more. Let's end this episode with a quote from the legendary boxer and activist Muhammad Ali. Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on Earth.